Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. Number 55, first baseman, Albert Pujols. Albert lifts it out to deep left field. He's done it. In St. Louis, he would always rise to the occasion. And at the age of 41, he hasn't lost his touch. Career home run, number 679 for Albert Pujols. Unbelievable. Really was. What a moment at the ballpark again. And uh, welcome to the Danny Mac Show with BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Joe Pettini, the Cardinals bench coach for many, many years under Tony La Russa, will be our guest. Uh, Cardinals lose the game, but yet another special moment provided by now number 55, formerly five here in St. Louis. No one is ever going to wear that number again with the St. Louis Cardinals, but a uh, a terrific moment at the ballpark, nonetheless. First at bat, Albert Pujols goes deep. I mean, really? It's unbelievable. I looked over at my fiance, Dan, right before that at bat, and I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if Albert hit a homer today. It'd be just such a special moment for all of those people that are in the stands, and then anybody certainly here in St. Louis that was watching on television as well. And then right off of the bat, just gets it out right in the beginning. Because you never know if, if Jay Happ had a... A slow start. He gets pulled early. The Cardinals go to some righty relievers. You could have seen Albert pulled from pulled from that game. His his role is to hit against left-handed pitching. So for him to be able to get that right out front, oh, that was incredible. It was. It was incredible. How special was it for Albert Pujols? No, it's pretty special, obviously. You know, to jump right away. Uh, you know, especially a day like today where we are bullpen going. We want to put some points in the war early and. Uh, He's got a good pitch to hit, and I guess I put the best swing of the night tonight. So it's uh, pretty excited, awesome. You know, I mean, I love this fan. They love me. I mean, there's uh, a lot of great history here. So it's always a special moment anytime that I step uh, in the stadium. It's incredible, and uh, Yachty did what Yachty does, which is to go out in front of uh, home plate and kind of kick at the dirt to make sure that that uh, visiting player, former Cardinal, gets the uh, standing ovation apparently yadi and uh, albert went out to dinner the uh, night before and albert said you can do it once but that's it um and he got a, a really nice round of applause uh, every time that he came up it was probably that first one i guess 40 45 seconds then got in the box 2-1 pitch and all of a sudden uh, the dodgers have a one nothing lead thanks to albert Pujols. he is destroying by the way left-handed pitching and this isn't just a gimmick this guy is really good against lefties. Now 13 home runs and 120 at-bats this season against left-handed pitching. Seventh best slugging percentage in baseball against the lefties. What do you think about the OPS? Well, his OPS is well above 900, edging closer to 1,000 against lefties. So even at the age of 41, this guy is doing it, BK, and it's amazing. He's batting 300 against them. He's getting on base 34% of the time. Like you said, he's batting for power against left-handed pitching. He's got a spot in the league now. This is the important part about the latter stages of a career. Albert said yesterday on the fast lane, by the way, great interview with Albert. If you missed it, check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app. He said, listen, somebody else is going to have to pull this jersey off of me because I'm not going on my own. I, I feel like I can still play right now. And he's right. 
He needed, though, to find the right role, and now he's found it. He can mash lefty still, even at this point in his career. So if he goes into this offseason and he decides, I want to play another year, I think he will, somebody's going to give him a job to do exactly that. There may be another team that's willing to give him an everyday opportunity, but there will absolutely be roles out there for him on teams if he just wants to be a pinch hitter and to start against left-handed pitching. And Dan... Two months ago, we weren't sure that that was going to be the case. Three months ago and out sure. when he was signing with the Dodgers, we weren't sure who was going to take him and ro- what role he would be willing to take for that team. So you mentioned he was on the fast lane. They asked him, remember, it had been from Game 7 of the 2011 World Series up until 2019. He hadn't been at Bush Stadium. And they asked him, was it weird being back at Bush? They're the best friends in baseball. I mean, just... Uh... Brings a lot of memories, you know, coming back here and just uh, talking with the guys about it. And we were just all laughing about it, you know, and uh, some of the guys were giving uh, uh, Dave Roberts, you know, so, so uh, head not, you know, in, in trouble. But uh, it was just good to be back and, uh, you know, just be part of the atmosphere, you know. And like I say, uh, a couple of days ago, you know, people were, yeah, yes, I'm coming back to St. Louis once again, but at the end of the day, I think the fans get to see two great teams and two great organizations, you know, uh, going going at it, you know, for the next couple of days here. And uh, that's, that's something that I think we all should appreciate. That. So we talk about the role that he plays with the Dodgers, primarily facing left-handed pitching. Sometimes he'll DH in interleague play. They were all in front with me and told me, you know, the time. The, and just early when I got to the organization, I play a lot. Now my playing time have kind of, you know, uh, take a little toll, but that's a great thing because we have great team. You know, I mean, when you look around our our lineup, I mean, we have all star guys. You know, starting every day, and there's not any easy outs. And it's pretty excited. So that was something. The communication has has always been huge. Uh, you know, since day one. You know, three and a half months ago when when I signed here. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm getting, you know, early was tough, you know, to get in that row, pinch it, you know, once here and there. But uh, I got used to and, and prepared myself every night to, if I'm in the line, no gray. If I'm not, just be ready to, to pinch it, you know, because that's my role that I'm playing right now. So let's advance the story. If you're a fan out there, and there's many of them that are saying, bring him to St. Louis. Well, there's a few things that that go into this. Number one, his splits. It's only against left-handed pitching. So if you're looking at him coming to St. Louis, what about a DH? Doesn't hit right-handers. He doesn't. I mean, it's just it hasn't been good against right-handed pitching. The other thing is that probably has benefited him greatly this year with the Dodgers is the fact that he's not playing every day. And it might be two days off. Might be four at-bats a week. So he's been healthy this year, Mm -hmm. which is something that you cannot say about his time uh, with the Angels. Father time is catching up. He's going to be 42 in January. Okay, so these are the baseball things to to look at. Got to have a full time DH if he comes back because you're going to want to play him in interleague play. He's got to be willing to accept a role against left handed pitching. Mm -hmm. You got to understand that he's 42 and he's going to need time. Um, And then there's the business side of baseball. And if anybody's been watching these games, this guy draws a crowd. Does that wear off after 81 games? Probably not, especially with the final goal round of Yachty, maybe Wayno, and uh, and obviously Albert Pujols. All three could go out together, which would be amazing to see. The sentimentality of that is something you cannot overlook. He's going to put butts in the seats, I would think. And especially 
post-All-Star game when you say, hey, this is the last time. Let's make that trip. Let's go watch Yachty. Let's go watch Albert. Maybe we'll get a chance to catch him play. Let's go see that Wayno start. Um, I would think, BK, from a business standpoint, taking baseball completely out of it, there's a lot of check marks in the bring them back box. However, there's also the reality of being 42, only hitting against lefties and being careful with his body. So those are things you have to consider. How many times have we said this team needs to embrace the matchups more? And that's been the case for a while now. This is the type of player that helps you do that. You can't play him against right-handed pitching regularly. That, that cannot be the plan. If you're going to bring in Albert Pools, it needs to be known early on for the manager, for the player, for everybody. They all have to be on the same page. He's going to be our designated hitter, and he's going to play against lefties. And when he's not in there as a starter, he can be a pinch hitter late in big-time situations against left-handed pitching. That's what he's here for. And if you do that, Dan, this team has some natural platoon options there. If Nolan Gorman is ready at the beginning of next season to play second base, you could do a platoon at second with Nolan Gorman and with Tommy Edmond, and you can use Gorman as well as against right-handed pitching um, as your designated hitter. And it's just three guys for two spots. It's Gorman, it's Albert Pools, and it's Tommy Edmond for DH and second base. It's a natural platoon there. But you have to have everybody on board with that. You cannot go into the season with anybody thinking that it's any different. If Albert goes into the year next year and he's playing every day as your designated hitter, you're going to have a problem. And that's that's when things start to go awry. But if everybody if everybody is on the same page baseball wise, I do think it can make some sense. And business wise, it's a no brainer. Could you imagine? Um, let's just say you've got, what, three more weeks left in this regular season, if that mm-hmm. roughly. Uh, he's 21 away from 700, too. Didn't mention that. That's something else that you have to keep in mind. That's regular season play. He's very close to 700 all toll when you include postseason play. But, uh, yeah, that's amazing, man. He's 21 away from 700. And I would assume in the back of his mind, and I don't know, I, I haven't had the chance to speak with him, but, man, if you're there, if you're close to 700, someone's willing to give you that job. I think you got to look at it if you're Albert Pools. But maybe, you know, there's other guys that say, you know what, I'm done. You know, I, I sure. just I just need to spend time with my family. My body's cooked, and I'm looking forward to the next chapter in my life. But, man, last night was uh, – it, it just made me think of a lot of different things. If he came back to St. Louis and just – it kind of rekindled some of the emotions that I have, even as a broadcaster that did majority of his games – uh, if not all of them, well, most of them in St. Louis, you know, you think about what it was like watching him. And I gave the numbers yesterday. Do you hear those averages? He's I unbelievable. Gave? Average 40 home runs, averaged 121, averaged above a 330 average yep. for 11 years. It was video game numbers from the time he got up to the big leagues until the time that he left St. Louis. And that's the best part about this, Dan, is St. Louis got to see the best Oh, for pools. sure. Yeah. There, there was nothing in Anaheim or L.A. that you would say, you know what? Wish we could have had. There were some moments at the back end. There were certainly some milestones that you wish you could have had here. But I wouldn't trade those 10 years for the world. No, it was incredible to watch. And I do think we got some texts here, Dan. Six, five, seven, eight. Oh, is the air comfort service text line from the three, one, four. I'm not willing to punt on next season just to see Albert Pujols hit 700 as a Cardinal. That's the important part. You don't have to punt. No. Albert has been good against left-handed pitching. You've just got to play him in the right role. Well, here's the other thing. You're probably not set in stone yet, but I bet they expand rosters next year, too. Yeah, I mean, you could be looking at 27, maybe 28. 
Well, that so, changes the calculus yeah, I mean, as well. That, that makes it really a simple move to mm-hmm. make. Then, at that point, if you're debating, well, can we carry him and this guy? Because he can't run either. So, I mean, it's very, it's very limited in what you're doing. It, he's facing left-handed pitching. Um, the other part of this, I think the three batter minimum has got to be a part of it. So, when they bring in a lefty, you know that that lefty may face Albert Pujols. Or you have the option to bring him in to face the lefty at whatever part that is. Because if not... You know, he could be announced as a pinch hitter, and all of a sudden, boom, Dave Roberts or whomever on the opposite side says, okay, no chance you're facing this lefty, and you go get a righty. That's something to think about, too. Absolutely. And we've the thing to keep in mind about 70% of all plate appearances that the Cardinals have come against right handed pitching. So we're talking about a limited role. 30% roughly of the plate appearances will come against lefties next year. So you're not talking about an everyday player. You're not even talking necessarily about a 50% of the time player, but it's high leverage spots where he's going to potentially be coming into the game. It's uh, games against lefty starters. And then later on, you replace him with somebody else. If they're willing to buy in on the matchups, if they're willing to do that, Albert Pujols makes all the sense in the world for them to sign in the offseason. But it requires a lot of buy in from a lot of different people to be able to get there. For sure. I would assume Yachty and Wayno would say, go ahead and do it. Of course. Even though it's their farewell tour, if you will, potentially, for sure for Yachty. He said next year is it. Um, do you want to take away from some of that? I don't know. I mean, sometimes guys can think internally about what it means for them, too. But I, those two guys, I, I think they'd be fine with it. And think about Nolan Arenado. He, he was the one that yeah. said, hey, Albert was my favorite player growing up. I hope that you end up getting the, the chance to go off the right way. Yeah, I think Nolan Arenado's signing off on that as well. Fan base, I think the majority, not all, but I think the majority would as well. Coming up, we're going to visit with Joe Pettini. So- Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Albert lifts it out to deep left field. He's done it! In St. Louis, he would always rise to the occasion. And at the age of 41, he hasn't lost his touch. Career home run, number 679 for Albert Pujols. Unbelievable! Last night at the ballpark, an amazing moment. Albert Pujols back in St. Louis wearing Dodger blue. I'm Dan McLaughlin, Danny Mac Show. That's BK on 101 ESPN. I am so looking forward to visiting with our next guest, who is a bench coach under Tony La Russa for some of those great teams uh, in the early and uh, to the mid-2000s, leading up through the 2011 World Series, and that uh, is former major leaguer and then former coach and manager in the minor leagues and bench coach under Tony, and that's Joe Patini. Hey, Joe, it's been too long. Dan McLaughlin here. How you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. Good to talk with you again. Where do we find you? Are you in uh, West Virginia? I'm in West Virginia. Yeah. Are you uh, you cheering on the Mountaineers, or what do we what do we got going? What keeps you busy? Well, you know, I uh, I cheer on the Mountaineers, but every every week or so, they uh, give you one of them games, and you just end up yelling and screaming at the TV. <laughs> Welcome to college football, right? Absolutely. <laughs> No, but I'm a Mountaineer fan. I, I watch all the games, and you know how it was when when you're with players and coaches from all over the country during all those years. Your your teams you're normally going to play somebody that's on, in your clubhouse, so you get to have all those arguments. But uh, I still watch them. 
Absolutely. We, we saw another great moment from Albert Pujols last night. Joe, you, you were there. You had a front row seat to watch him in his prime. Um, just your thoughts on Albert still doing what he's doing at the age of 41. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame, but you saw it up close. What was it like? Well, you know, what's funny is the year that we signed Albert, uh, you know, he was a 13th round pick. Everybody had passed on him so many rounds. And uh, so he didn't sign right away. He came down to uh, our instruction league to get his first taste of professional baseball. And the uh, very first game that he played in, in instruction league, we, we DH'd him, figuring he might be a little nervous, and we DH'd him, hit him around fifth or sixth. And his first at-bat, he hits one off the clubhouse in the left field. And I believe he hit another one later in that game. So right away we knew we had something special. But uh, it's been amazing. I mean, me and my wife watched the game last night. He comes up first inning, hits a home run. My wife, she's over laying on a couch clapping for him. And uh, just he, nothing that he does amazes anybody anymore. Have you ever seen a player that has a sense for the dramatic the way that Albert does? It feels like any time he gets into a big-time situation, he comes through with a hit, just like he did last night. Well, you know, you guys. one of you guys mentioned last night that his desire to succeed, the desire to win. I can still remember, you know, I mean, when Albert would come up in a crucial situation, runners on base, tie game, down a run or whatever, it seems like I would always look out at the mound at the pitcher and just say, buddy, you got your work cut out for you. His, <laughs> his, in, his intensity, his uh, just uh, his will to succeed, the will to win, made him such a good hitter, not only such a good hitter, but a great defensive player as well. Absolutely, and he was willing to always take chances and won a gold glove. Um, and speaking of gold gloves, his good buddy uh, Yadier Molina got a base hit, and then those two are going back and forth when he gets to first base, and we're watching Yadi, and he said, uh, you know what, next year's going to be it. But when you're seeing, along with Yadi, Wayno, Albert, I'm assuming for Joe Bettini, that's got to bring back a lot of good memories when you see that trio. You know what? It really did bring a smile to my face to watch those two. And uh, uh, the first time that Albert came back into St. Louis, I wrote on my Facebook page that I give a lot of credit to the fans uh, in St. Louis for, I mean, the way they welcomed him back with all these ovations and to see him and Yachty together again, uh, it was really something special. I am curious when you when you look back at that time and speaking of Yachty and you were the the minor league uh, rover at that point the coordinator. What what do you remember about young Yadier Molina? I, I think there was the quote back in the day with TLR saying basically he could hit zero and he'd still start every day because of what he brought <laughs> defensively. He's become so much more offensively, of course. But what do you remember about the young Yadier Molina as he was in the Cardinals minor league system? One of the things that I remember and one of the things that a lot of people probably don't know is when we first got Yachty, he came up to me and told me that he was a switch hitter. And, of course, I relayed this information to our uh, farm director, Mike Jorgensen, and then say, hey, if he wants to hit left-handed too, let him hit. But, you know, I think the fear of failure for some of these guys, he ditched it right away and just went back to being a right-handed hitter, which turned out to be pretty good for him anyway. But uh, to tell you a story about a young Yachty, uh, when he first signed, he came to instruction league as well. And when we did instruction league, we used to really make sure all the players got a chance to perform all the different fundamentals. Well, it was bunting for base hits, doing bases, but we did have a thing where we had our catchers throw to the bases. We would set up pickoff plays from the bench, and we would have Yachty throw the third and first on pickoffs. So at the end of the year, I'm sorry, at the start of spring training the next year, I think Yachty was going to be going to Peoria. 
And I told him, I said, I want you to remember how many guys you pick off at third and first. So later that year, we got the instruction league, and I asked him how many. He thought for a minute. He said, I think 23 or 24. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> you got that many guys? But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's been amazing. Him and Wayno both. It is amazing. Wayne will go tonight, and Yachty will be behind the plate. It'll be the combined start regular season number 301 tonight. So those guys put a smile on your face, and Joe Patini, I imagine this does as well. He's hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are worth champs in 2011 ah yes the reunion of the 2011 team is coming up um now joe i want you to be honest with me it's just you and i talking here um so game six is unfolding did tony like go to you or to dunk or any of the other coaches and say well it's a hell of a run we gave it a great shot but it just wasn't meant to be so we'll thank our fans and you know go in the clubhouse we'll do our duties with the media and and call it a day i mean what was going on right there in that dugout with game six well i can tell you one thing that what you just stated never happened uh the one person you have to give credit to other than all the great players that we had was tony the because you remember we were down uh we you know we were trying to get to a wild card spot uh, things weren't looking good about halfway through September. In fact, a lot of people wanted us to start playing some of the kids that came up from AAA, and Tony would not have would have none of it. He says, when we're out of it, we're out of it, and that's when they'll play. And it went all the way down to the last day, and we won, and Atlanta lost, and we were in the playoffs, and things just took off from there. How much have you talked to Tony since he uh, took over with the White Sox? Well, we, we talked a few times. We actually got together and played golf. He had an off day coming in. The Pittsburgh, you know, I live and I'm from Pittsburgh. And uh, so me, him, and Leyland, and one of the members of it, Neville Wood, got to play around the golf. You know, he's still loves his golf game. And what did you think when he decided to get back in the game? You know, we discussed that a couple of years ago. I think it was that's actually at the uh, 2004 reunion, or it might have been Albert's golf tournament, that uh, we went out and had had dinner. And he, he mentioned to me the fact that this could he could possibly end up coming back to manage the White Sox. And uh, if I would be interested, and I just told him, you know, I had 35 years of professional baseball. Uh, I just have too many responsibilities here at home now with uh, kids and grandkids. And uh, so I took a, I took a pass on that, but uh, every year, you know, I get the major league baseball package. I watch you guys a lot. And, um, but I, we start out watching some of the Pirates, but then after the first month of the season, when they're out, but we go back to the Cardinals, <laughs> and now, and now I gotta, now I gotta tune into the White Sox games. Absolutely, you mentioned 2004. That club would acquire Larry Walker, and it was already a loaded lineup with the MV3 of Roland Pujols, Edmonds, and then Larry Walker, who now will go into the Hall of Fame in about uh, three hours or so. He'll make his induction speech in Cooperstown. Tell me about that, um, because when I asked Larry about it, he always mentions, you know, I come up that first time at Bush Stadium, I strike out, I get a standing ovation. He's the, he says, what the hell is going on here? Um, but what was it like for the coaching staff to add a guy like, and that presence and that bat of Larry Walker? Oh, it got all of us excited. We already had a lot of great players, and to have someone like Larry Walker come in, 
you know, you start thinking about going deep into uh, October. I mean, he was a he was a great bat, a good outfielder, five tool player uh, to come in and join the club that we already had. Uh, you know, he, he, you were thinking good things were going to happen. Unfortunately, you know, we got into the World Series. I always tell people if we could go back to just one at bat, one inning, one at bat. If we had come back and tied that game in Boston, game one, uh, we had we had the bases loaded and Jimmy and and Rowan coming up. And, uh, you know, a pop-up and a strikeout, and they got out of the inning. I said, we could go back because those guys, they just they were awesome in those situations all year. And, uh, you know, once that happened, we lost the game, and then things just got worse from there. I'm curious, Joe, when you look back on some of the acquisitions that the, the Cardinals made in the early 2000s that you were a part of, I mean, Scott Rowland, Jim Edmonds, Larry Walker, the list goes on and on and on. How involved was the the coaching staff in kind of determining, okay, these are guys that we think might make a lot of sense for the Cardinals. Did did you, did TLR, did, did anybody have conversations at the time with the front office and say, hey, maybe this would be a guy that we should take a look at? Oh, absolutely, all the time. Uh, Walt Jockley would come in. Uh, you know, thank goodness the Cardinals were always ready to give us somebody that uh, to help put us over the top when it came to uh, September um, I can still remember uh, Walt coming down and talking to all of us and uh, getting our views on getting Scott rolling. Uh, you know, same thing with Larry. But uh, they always, you know, they they give you that extra bat, that extra firepower to get you through the first, second round and hopefully through seven games of the World Series. Joe, I'll wrap it up with this. Are, are you coming back for the uh, reunion of 2011? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't awesome. miss it. We had such a good time at the uh, 2004 uh, reunion and uh, looking forward to it. I hope things stay safe enough that uh, we can still do this. Absolutely. Can't wait to give you a, a, well, a handshake or a fist bump or whatever, but I just can't wait to see you back in town. You were one of the really good people that we've had in this organization. And uh, just thanks for hopping on, man. And, and uh, your thoughts on Albert and Yachty and those teams. It's a lot of fun. Hey, thanks for having me. You got it. That's Joe Patini, longtime uh, bench coach of the St. Louis Cardinals. I had not heard that story about Yachty, about, well, I, yeah, 24, 25, 26 guys, whatever he said. Yeah, that's how many I picked off. And to think <laughs> at the age of 39 on the most recent road trip, and you know the reputation, and he still picks off two guys. It's unbelievable. And I, I also love the idea of him going up to a coach and be like, yeah, I can bat. Uh, I'm a switch hitter. I can do whatever you want me to. I can I can throw guys out of first and third. I can bat switch. Whatever you need from yes. me, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that for you. Pretty amazing. We'll go around the major leagues when we come back on 101 ESPN. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Tanner just mentioned it. The Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, Marvin Miller all inducted today. ESPN's Tim Kirchin. Well, it'll be a great day. It's always a great day for the induction. I probably covered 10 of them in my time, and every single one of them was special in its own way. We're going to see Larry Walker, Derek Jeter, Ted Simmons, Marvin Miller. It's it's a great group going in. And, of course, uh, Jeter will be the headliner, but uh, it's a great group, and I... Even though this is in September and it's on a Wednesday, I don't even think that's going to take away from what a great week, uh, what a great event this is. That place will be packed. It'll be tremendous. 
Ted Simmons, we did an evening with the Cardinals. I hosted it. I put on those nights with the Cardinals. So it's it's something I'm very proud of. And I love doing it because these guys, you know, they're Hall of Famers. So we had Tim McCarver and Ted Simmons the other day. I said, how did you find out, Ted, about the Hall of Fame? And he said, well, you know, I've been through this before where I'm waiting on that call. And they say, okay, be around your phone at uh, 430. So I'm around my phone, he says, at 430. Then all of a sudden it's 5, 515, 530. And he said, well, he goes to his wife. Not going to happen. No big deal. Been through it before. Been let down. This is not going to ruin our night. We're going to dinner. He said, but Dan, little did I realize that the winter meetings were being held on the West Coast. 4.30 West Coast time. So then all of a sudden the phone would ring. And sure enough, it was the Hall of Fame. And he said it's one of the greatest days of his life. How about that? That's amazing. That's quite that's quite the story. Um, I heard earlier today there on MLB Network Radio, Craig Council was on with him. And he was talking. He was asked about uh, Ted Simmons. You know, and- Craig grew up basically in that organization with his dad. Absolutely. Dad worked there. Yeah. So he, he was talking about Ted Simmons and how special he was. And he was like, you know, the, the thing that I'm always going to remember about him is that he was a manager's dream because he was a switch hitting catcher. And what more could you ask for? And oh, by the way, he was a great hitter as a catcher. Um, so I, I, I thought that was really cool to hear somebody who's now one of the best baseball managers in the sport, in my opinion, uh, talking about how just unique he was as a talent back in the day. Do me a favor. Go look at his splits. Right and left handed. Look at Ted Simmons. And you talk about a guy that did it on both sides of the plate at a high rate in everything that he did. Power. Average. Yeah, they were the same. He was OPS. a 785 OPS guy against righties and a 785 OPS guy against lefties. I think it's the slightest differential of any Hall of Famer that's a switch hitter. Interesting. It's like .05 or something like that. I yeah, mean, it's he ridiculous. Has, he has the exact same slugging percentage from both sides, and he has a five points difference on the on-base percentage. It's Can amazing. Can you imagine that? It's amazing. So when we were doing the uh, – I was emceeing his statue dedication. I'm sitting next to John Mosellock, and they're going through his numbers, and they start getting to, like, OPS and certain things that are more of the advanced metrics, and Ted will tell you advanced metrics got him in. John just goes, whew, like that. That was his reaction (laughs) as they're, uh, you know, reading down the numbers. It was just, he, he was an incredible player. It took way too long. I mean, he should have been in the Hall of Fame many, many years ago for where he was in the traditional numbers in terms of hits runs batted in for a catcher you know he's top two so why it took so long is befuddling but uh i think part of it was the fact that he played on teams that never got to postseason he's in the middle of the country he's not in a ma- massive media market but you put him in chicago new york la it's a different story he would have been in years ago i'm not trying to take away from any of the celebration today certainly but do you know why they decided to do this midweek midday One of the theories I've heard is, well, first of all, September 11th is this weekend. So the 20-year anniversary of September 11th. So you could have done it on other weekends. But when things got pushed back and changed around because of COVID, my understanding was that there were weddings scheduled. It's a very small town. And so you're trying to get hotel rooms, restaurants, all the things that – and you know what Derek Jeter – it's going to be, be massive. Huge. The right. entire Yankees organization will probably be there. Oh, for sure. And much of their fan base. So you're – 
that's part of it is just trying to accommodate the amount and mass people that are coming to Cooperstown. It's a very small town. That makes sense. So there's not a lot there. It stinks. It's, it's too bad. But So that's why that's my understanding. Again, I don't know for a fact, but that's what I've heard. Let's go around the major leagues. and We're going to start with the Yankees. They get a huge loss in a couple of ways. Uh, Garrett Cole exits and their loss to the Blue Jays hamstring issue. And the Blue Jays, watch out. They're getting hot. Queen. Triple A in the big leagues, and there's a drive to the field. Get up, ball stayed fair, and how about another one? Stay hot, Marcus. Homers in three straight games, six home runs in his last six games, and break out the home run jack. Winning streak at six now for the Blue Jays. Remember I said there's two teams I wanted to watch out for in this second half. One, the Blue Jays being back at home. The other, the Phillies down the stretch. They have a pretty easy schedule. So with that, uh, you have Tampa Bay leading their division by now nine and a half over the Yankees. Yankees are a half game in front of the Red Sox and only two back now, the Toronto Blue Jays. National League stay in New York. Jacob deGrom's right elbow is healthy. Mets uncertain if he'll return this year. How about Wander Franco speaking of Tampa Bay? He's been one of the best players in the game. This one is sky deep into center field, and that ball is going to get out of here. He hit it to the deepest part of the park. It's 420 out there. And back into that little triangle of the bullpen. A two-run shot off the bat of Nelson Cruz. And the Rays now lead 5-1. to one. Nelson Cruz, oldest major leaguer in history with 30 home runs. He's 41. He's 41 with 30 bombs. Wander Franco extends his on-base streak to 37. Now let's talk about what's happening in the wild card, and we'll start with the Padres. It's the three lead in Oakland. Renjifo on top of Petco Porch. Solo shot. 3-0 Halos. Blake Snell had a perfect game through six innings, and the Padres are beaten by the Angels 4-0. Joe Madden said it was the best game that the Angels have played this year. Hmm. What about the Cincinnati Reds? What did they do at Wrigley? Castellanos gets into one. Deep center field. That's going to carry two homers in the first inning. 4-3 the final. Reds beat the Cubs. Brewers all over the fills. Oh, man. That one hit. Watch it fly. How far? Oh, up on the Miller Light deck. Wow. Booming home run from Avi Garcia. And the Brewers would win that game 10 to nothing. And speaking of the Mets, they get Sandy Alcantara tonight with the Marlins. But last night, they got to Marlins pitching. And Alonzo Rockets won a deep left center field. Forget that. That is way out of here. Pete Alonso is 100th career home run. Second fastest ever to 100 career home runs. 100th home run in his 347th game. The St. Louis native Ryan Howard did it in 325. So looking at the wild card, it's 14 and a half in front for the Dodgers. It's back and forth with the National League West. They keep winning. The Giants keep winning. So the Dodgers a game out in the West. Then Cincinnati. And then San Diego. After that, the Those Phillies. tied, by the way, right? Correct. Now, so the Phillies then uh, two games back. The Mets are three and a half with St. Louis, three and a half out going into the ball game tonight. And that sets the stage for an Adam Wainwright start here in game number three. It's a wild, wild race that we're watching in the National League right now. And Dan, you mentioned one of the teams that you've been talking about now for a month or so is the Phillies. You said, listen, look at the schedule. Look at the schedule moving forward. They've got a real shot to be in this thing. 
I think they're the team to watch as well. I'm, I'm starting to buy into what you were trying to sell me a while ago. The Padres just don't feel right right now. No. It, it's just the, the things aren't clicking for them. I think this is going to end up being a race between the Reds and the Phillies. I, fe- I hate to say it, but I, I don't know that the Cardinals are going to be able to get back into this thing, unfortunately.